Chao. What do you want? It's a podcast to you. Gotta talk about Giallo movies just for you. The only thing I'd like, I'd really like, is to meet you face to face. It'll happen sooner or later, but you don't have to recognize us. Thanks. However, you disappoint me, duck. You throw a challenge my way. I almost forgot the most important part. We go by Creep, Creeperson, and Chris. And this is Chow Chow Chow. Got it. The harbor, a phone booth sitting right near Pier 11. I'll get out the APB. Move, you bastard. Chow chow, everybody. Nice. There it is. And the dog was barking, too. Yeah. Chow chow, everybody. Every, everything just went tits up. And it's funny, because it was, like, <laughs> like totally quiet for, like, a minute. And then it was, like, chaos all at once. <laughs> but anyway. So I, so I see you uh, with your uh, ski gear on up there. And uh, good old... Southern California. Oh, it it is chilly. Let me see if there's anything. Can you? Can your you deck. See? Your deck looks fun to hang out on. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's big. Yeah, that's what the ladies say. <laughs> Can you uh, set up like <laughs> instruments and like have a whole band thing going on? Or is it, do you have neighbors? Well, I have neighbors-ish. Let me see. A lot of the houses are rentals, like vacation rentals. Oh, wow. That's cool. But like, not you guys. You're on permanent vacation. Yeah. Like, can you see that behind me, that house? Yes. That's a rental. Huh. 
but like across this way i don't know if you could see yeah i can see that um that somewhat like a bunch of people live there but i think that's like a airbnb kind of place because there's always the regular people there and then a ton of other people there i see oh i turned off my overlay there you go i was trying to make it yellow but i guess i can't i used to have a really nice um custom jalo score overlay for my lower oh, yeah. third but i lost it this computer here that i'm using to um record tonight is the laptop that i have for work it's a macbook pro oh yeah yeah and you know typically i work in a windows environment we very rarely use macs but we do some mobile development and so we need macs to make ios applications so I've had this MacBook Pro for a while, and I haven't brought it to work in like maybe a year. I've just used, <laughs> taken it home, and I've used it. Um, now, when we used to do the uh, the podcast before, and we would have that inevitable moment where my computer would crash. That wasn't this machine. Um, it was a different machine. And incidentally, I just got that one back from the shop and reinstalled all the apps and, and wiped the hard drive. So when we finally get back uh, to uh, that room and that computer, it shouldn't crash anymore. So that is, is that is that the what was that? That didn't you like buy a Mac? Yeah, it was an iMac that I had bought. That's right. I found it on Craigslist and it was a pretty reputable guy. And I took the thing to like the best Mac store. It's like a third party independent Mac service place in Philadelphia. And the guy was like, look, man, we've had this thing turned on for the last week. Um, we've run all kinds of diagnostic tests on it. We've tried doing everything. We can't get it to crash. And I'm like, you motherfuckers, man. Like it, what you should have just had me, um, start a podcast in your <laughs> shop to see if it would crash because that's when it would crash so. just go on hangouts and then also have facebook <laughs> open and also have like whatever else you would have whatever video player i was i was using to yeah. watch the film but that's not true though because it would crash all the time it, it was it had no rhyme or reason to it so at any rate long story long um once it uh, was reformatted and everything, uh, it hasn't crashed again. So I don't know if there was one piece of software that was on there that um, was causing the problem and I haven't reinstalled it yet. So we'll get back to that. Anyway, the whole, po the whole point of that whole rambling was that um, my custom lower third overlay is on that computer, not the one we're using. <laughs> I totally forgot why we were talking about that. Yes. I'm like, Guess what? I did. It was, it was a miracle that I did. Long story short, and I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> no, Where's this going? <laughs> but anyway, to commemorate uh, episode 66 here, I have a beer. It is by our friends at Stone Brewing Company, who are, I think, in Southern California somewhere. Uh, let's see. Anyway, it's called the... Mega Wheat Double IPA, and I'm a little scared because 
I used to really like wheat beers, and now I don't really like them that much. They give me a heartburn. That sounds like Metamucil right there. <laughs> so, but we're going to try it anyway. Do your glug impression. Glug, glug, glug. There Is that go. what you said? Yeah, that's what you did last time. It was good. I liked it. Gluggy, gluggy, glug. And, and I'm having my... Uh, Oh, that's gorgeous. It is very pretty, sir. It is a nice amber color with a very big head. Yep. I like to get a beer with a lot of head. Yeah, and I have my uh, straight from France. My uh, Peru. Perrier. <laughs> I yeah. always remember that scene in, was it Better Off Dead? When I just done. watched that not too long ago. That's funny. And yeah. the mom has all the French stuff, and she goes, and to drink, Peru. <laughs> finding money in pockets. Like I, I've, I, I switched to my uh, sleeping pants, but apparently I've used my sleeping pants to uh, go somewhere. I found a dollar. So <laughs> There it is. Yeah. Anyway, so what's been going on with you? The world of things other than being outside in the cold. Um, not a whole lot. Um, we have like Zoe's best friend coming tomorrow from England to stay with us for a little bit. So, um, the last, like today's been kind of crazy. Just trying to get everything nice and ready. Right. Shit like that. But, um. Whenever you want to clean your house, just invite people over. <sighs> because that's the only way you get your house clean. That's what happens. Yeah, dude. Us. I don't know, but like um like living up here is great, but having to do things that like normally would never be an issue is like a huge thing. Like my, I had to take my daughter to the doctor yesterday. Right. And it was like an hour away, but the, it was like super foggy mm. and like misty. It looked like a fucking horror movie. Like wow. you couldn't see across the lake, but you could kind of like make out the mountain on the other side of the lake kind of thing and the tops of the trees. Did you film and, it? No, I was trying to not die. Like we could only see like five feet in front of us and I'm driving so fucking slow. Right. And um, then we like, she wanted something to eat. So I'm like looking on the map and I'm like, oh, there's a McDonald's like, like a mile this way. So we go and then we end up in this fucking empty ass parking lot driving around for like 15 minutes and we couldn't fucking find the McDonald's because it was so map, foggy or cause yeah. it was there. Oh. No, it was so foggy. And the map's like, yeah, McDonald's is right here. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't fucking see anything. <laughs> and, um, we ended up finding it eventually, but it was like, you like crashed into it. And then they just, you know, you've got the, the car sticking halfway through the wall and then they bring your fries over. Yeah. To be fair, there were no like, there was no golden arches sign at <laughs> McDonald's. But so like little things like that, like things that you take for granted when you live in like a city, you Some, know, somewhat populated. Yeah. Or like everything that you would normally do takes like 80 times fucking longer to do. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> it, it, yeah, yesterday was fucking, yeah. But do you guys uh, get um, snow in the winter? Fuck yeah. We yeah. are, um, it was like one of the worst winters ever last year. It was oh, like. Because there's like skiing where you are, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Cool. But like our driveway is like this. <laughs> right. And um, we got kind of snowed in for a little bit. And then the way when they plow the streets, we're like, okay, let's not park the car on top of the driveway anymore. We'll park it towards the bottom where the street is. So the str- the plow came through, plowed the snow out. And then the next day when we tried to go somewhere, the whole fucking bottom of the car was frozen <laughs> to this driveway. Like there was a block of ice, like, like fucking, I don't know, like maybe 12 inches fucking high oh my all God. along the fucking bottom of the car. So we had to like go under the car and like chip all this ice away just to get the car out of the fucking driveway. Like... We, we weren't meant for living in ice. Right. Like, that was the whole reason why we walked towards the south. Yeah. <laughs> Millions of years ago, right? Yeah. So, um, but hopefully it won't be as crazy this year. Well, I, I have to interrupt and, and say that this is a very good beer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold it up for everybody to see because it's an awesome bottle, too. It's the Stone oh, Marble... Odell Mega Wheat Double IPA. That is really cool. And on the back it says, rock hard and carry a big glass. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's up there too. It's like 8.4 ABV, so it's not, it's no slouch. Yeah, any any beer that says mega in it in the bottle is not like twelve feet tall. It's like, why is it mega? Like, what makes it mega in there? Well, so, it's, it's funny because we were supposed to do the podcast last night, and you know, you had your your issues with the hospital and everything. And as I was getting closer to podcast time, I started drinking one of those Monster Energies. And then once I found out that we weren't doing it, I'm like. I have this huge conundrum now because I have half a Monster Energy 16-ounce thing to go. It's nice and cold, and I'm already wide awake, and it's like close to 10 o'clock, and I've got to get up at 5.30. Um, so do I keep drinking it, or do I actually pour it down the drain? Like I felt It was almost like pouring really good, like high-quality wine down the drain. Because is it something that doesn't sit if you like put it back in the fridge? Well, it's it's soda. So if I had if if I had been smart and thought thought through this a little bit, I have um, some of the carbonated ones, and then I have some of the um, the ones that are like iced tea. Yeah, if I opened an iced tea one, then I could have just shoved it back in the thing and drank it in the morning when I woke up. But oh well. Anyway, we live and we learn. We did, <laughs> <clears throat> and then we die. Yeah. Learning and then as soon as we know it all, we're dead. Maybe we don't know it all, but we still die. Anyway. It's all horrible. It is. Yeah. I don't have anything um related to what we're talking about tonight to talk about, like other than the film itself. I can't think of anything that uh has been going on with me jalo wise. 
I know we're getting close to Halloween, and usually yeah. um, the place near me does this big 24-hour marathon. Um, in past years, um, I've gone to it a couple times, and it sounds good on paper, right? Yeah. You're going to show up at this place, and at noon on a Saturday, they're going to start showing horror movies, and they're not going to tell you what ones they are. And oh, that's gonna, so scary. It's not gonna it's not gonna stop until noon on Sunday. So and it's not like they give you a break and say, okay, we're gonna take, you know, a five hour break, go take a nap. They just keep running films. Now you can get up and leave whenever you want and you can come back. They have a couple of rooms um in the area because it's in like this international housing area for um Drexel and, and University of Pennsylvania campuses. So they have it's like a place where people live and um there's different big kind of meeting rooms and stuff where they um they let you go and like if you bring in like a sleep sack you can go and like take a nap up in a different room instead of having to sleep um in a chair the whole time but um at any rate i've been to i think three of them you know the very wow. first one was the best one and that was not the one that i went to the very first one um the guys who run it are really good. Um, they're true fans of of all the all these you know underground genres, but they have this thing where you know they don't want to repeat themselves, and it's kind of like, well, we showed um, Gates of Hell by Lucio Fulci at the first one, so we're not going to show it again. And we showed Friday the Thirteenth Part One or Nightmare on Elm Street Part One. At the first one so if we show another one it's going to be one of the sequels so you can imagine when you get to the 11th year or 12th year of this festival that <laughs> if they don't repeat anything there isn't anything good left because i mean unless you're a true horror movie insanity geek that knows everything about everything eventually you're going to get to the point where you're like okay every one of these horror movies i've either seen wanted to see Whereas curious, and now that I've seen it, I don't like it, and, and that's it. I've seen. I've, I don't want to. I don't want to stay here and watch this anymore. So, um, when I went the second year, it wasn't bad. Um, there was, a, you know, every, I've seen a couple of gems. Like they had a sixteen millimeter print of the director's cut of Dawn of the Dead. So that was awesome. Like, and yeah. when they when they showed that one, it was at seven o'clock at night, so it was prime time, and the, the place was packed. Um, and I can't remember the rest, but what ends up happening inevitably is that I start to get tired and there's only so much caffeine you could put in your system before it stops being effective and I'm falling asleep. Now, you know, the problem with falling asleep is as you're falling asleep in one of these festivals, you say to yourself, okay, I'm just going to fall asleep for the rest of this movie. And then when I wake up. I'll be all refreshed and I'll be able to watch some more movies. But that doesn't happen. You wake up when the movie's over and you go, oh, I just want to go back to sleep. And then, okay, now let me see what movie this is. And then it's like um, something that, what, what's the movie? It's a, it's a, is it Brian De Palma's musical about the Phantom of the Paradise? Is that, yeah. am I on the right track? Yeah. Well, they were playing that and I had no, no interest at all in watching it. So uh, I took another nap. And then when they get to, <laughs> When they get somewhere around the two to three o'clock in the morning time, they start showing these wacky off the wall um, 
films that almost no one has ever seen. Um, like Night Warning was one, and Lady Friend, no, um, Lady Terminator was one. No, I'm sorry. Not Lady Terminator. A anyway, um, films that are just so bad that, you know, because you're so tired and you're, you've are you been watching movies for now, like 14 hours, and you're exhausted, and um, they play this movie and it's ridiculous, it, it actually wakes everybody up because it's so ridiculous. Everybody starts laughing at how bad it is. And it it uh, and it kind of rejuvenates the, the the group, and then they 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 tend to show maybe one or two really big important films as they get towards the end. So, but like I said, on paper it sounds great, but um, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just too old and I can't I can't do those kinds of marathon things anymore, like when I was younger. But um, so you're going is what you're saying. I I don't know if I'm going because like every time I do go is when they have a shitty list of movies. And every time I don't go and I check the Twitter feeds or I check, you know, the day after, I'm like, oh, man, they played all those good movies and I wasn't there. Like, the first... How much is it? We have all the time in the world, so I'm going to go look look up the list of films that they played um, the very first year and, and, and run, run it down, and you're going to be like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Uh, Horathon. Okay. Um, it's not expensive. It's, um, I'm trying to think, um, maybe 30 bucks, maybe 40. I mean, it, it may have gone up. Can you yeah. bring stuff in with you? Yes. Do you, have you to totally can bring, you can bring cool people, bring like huge coolers of stuff. Um, the alcohol is not, um, officially allowed but they don't you know they don't search you and they don't you know they don't get on your case if you bring alcohol uh, just give me talk amongst yourselves everybody while i try to find this on the web here so do you ever like wake up and there's some like weird homeless guy with his hand in the front of your pants or anything like that no no it's not like that at all it's actually a really nice section of philadelphia where there's a lot of students and it's in a um, it's, it's in a residence, a resident hall that has like a doorman and things where, you know, it's not like a, it's not like some weird you know, shack off the, off the, off the block. Did you ever watch the tick cartoon back in the day? No, I heard of it. Oh yeah. They went to a superhero club and there was a superhero at the club called Doorman and he wouldn't let sidekicks in. Okay. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. I'm sorry I can't find this. I'm being a jerk. I'm like totally let everybody down. Everyone's really part, mad at you. Part one. <laughs> part one. I'm looking for part one. Oh, I thought you meant I let everyone down. Oh, I let everyone down part one? Right. Well, that's true, too. There are a bunch of really cool movies coming out next month, though. Yeah. That, um, like, just horror movies in the theaters kind of thing. It's kind of nice. You know, and are these like um, 
are they kind of do they have some hype behind them that people well, like, are, are interested of, in them? One of them's the new Chucky movie, which is weird because I think the last Chucky movie was direct to DVD, <clears throat> and this one's going theatrical. Um, oh, okay. And then there's a couple that were like kind of big on festival circuits. Like one of them is uh, a Christmas horror movie that's supposed to be really, really good. Um, what's oh, cool. it called? Um, Better Watch Out, I think is what it's called. Huh. And then there was another one that is a high school horror slasher kind of thing. Mm. But one of them seemed like Groundhog Day. It was like some girl keeps waking up trying to figure out who murdered her or Ooh. something like that. But she keeps like having to relive the same day over and over again. Oh, okay. That so, reminds me of a book I read called, while, I think it was While You Were Sleeping. And they did make it into a movie, I think, with Nicole Kidman. But it was about this woman who has this amnesia. And she really, she wakes up and she doesn't know who she is. And then um, she, you know, she wakes up in the morning, like in the mirror, in the bathroom mirror, she just wakes up and there she is. And then she has all these um, recordings that she listens to and the recordings tell her who she is. But by the time she goes to sleep, when she wakes up the next morning, she won't remember any of it. So it's kind of like one of those uh, unreliable narrator kind of movies because she doesn't even know like what's true because the person that made the recordings for her, you know, you don't know whether they're telling her the truth or not. You know, well, while you were sleeping was that adorable rom-com with Sandra Bullock. Ooh. About the guy who has amnesia and she was like somebody. And then she tried to convince him that she was his girlfriend. Did I say while you were sleeping, but I I didn't, I did. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. The name of the book is called Before I Go to Sleep. Is it? Yeah. Or Before oh. You Go to Sleep. One or the other. It's not, it's not while you were sleeping. You're sitting there going, you're sitting there going this is not the movie I remember. Yeah. It, that was the movie that made me think Sandra Bullock was really cute. Yeah. And then I watched it like 87 times. <laughs> All right. So I got the list. I just want to run it by you. This is the very first year they did this. And they blew their load. I do not know what year it was. Let's see. Part two. Uh, maybe, maybe 2007. Okay, so I think it's the 10-year anniversary this year. Um, 14 films, okay? The original John Carpenter's Halloween to start it off. Good. Uh, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla for the creature feature of the of the festival. That's okay. Then we have Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, which I think is kind of like a B-movie kind of thing. Now, listen to this. In order, Phantasm, the original, Pieces, the original, American Werewolf in London, and then Blackula. Mm. Okay, now we're in the weird kind of 1 o'clock in the morning age, and we've got Burial Ground, which is that zombie flick where the dude... The little kid bites his mom's um, nipples off uh, as once he turns into a zombie. Then we have this film called Teenage Mother, which was a weird one that no one had ever heard of before. After that, Dracula versus Frankenstein, 
demons, the original demons, Lombardo Baba, Alligator, and then topped it off with Gates of Hell by Lucio Fulci. Oh, Alligator's awesome. Yeah, isn't that, is that Tobey Hooper? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, you, there's no way you can, like, if, if you're one of those kind of guys that says, well, we're never going to play any of these films again because we already played them once, then it's kind of sucks because people want to go see the original Halloween and pieces yeah. and, you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, Well, Scream, Blackula Scream is a better movie. Is it? Yeah, it's got Pam Greer in it. So, like, the year that I went, they played The Fog, which was amazing. Um, now, Phantasm 2 instead of Phantasm 1. They did the first Nightmare on Elm Street. They did Fright Night. They did uh, this movie called The Boogeyman, which is actually really, really kind of creepy. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two, you know, um, and it just gets it got worse and worse. So <laughs> like, as the years went on, the next time I went was probably two years later to Part Four, and it was worse than that. And uh, I mean, and when I say worse, I just mean the selection of films. Like there were some good ones, <clears throat> like I said, that Dawn of the Dead one was a standout, um, and there were some bad ones, but there were not enough for me specifically to be entertained for twenty four hours. Now. Obviously, everybody has their own tastes, and there are plenty of people who went to all of these that said, yeah, no matter what, everything they played was great, and it was a fun time, and I stayed the whole time, and I only slept for an hour. Um, but that's not me. That has not happened to me yet. So, I don't know. I would be just mortified if like, they played like two or three movies in a row that I absolutely just think are fucking awful. Yeah. That and that's probably what would happen. Well, these are the same guys who did do that uh, that all Italian festival, and it was only a twelve. I think it was a twelve-hour deal, and I don't remember any of the films. And I know they were good, but the only one that was in there that I specifically remember is Eyeball, and it was one of the reasons why I was converted into liking the film. Because um, I saw it in, at that festival on the big Didn't screen. Didn't they like, do Torso as well? I think it was Torso, but I also went to see Torso in New York, so I can't remember which one was which. So I don't know. I, I, I have to see, like, it depends on what my kids are up to, and if I'm watching them uh, that weekend, I may go. But I, mean, oh, I would I, be so tempted to do it. I also was going to go to... Uh, this metal show tonight in Philly with this band called uh, Thy Art is Murder. And um, I thought you were going to say Deantward. Well, you know, have you heard this the thing about the band Decapitated? Have you heard about this? Yeah, I know them. What about them? Well, they all got arrested because they were accused of gang raping this girl after a concert in their bus. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, the whole band. And if you, if you, yeah, if you Google them, You'll see there's all a bunch of news articles about how this these two girls came forward and said this and they've all gotten arrested and they have like um rock and roll dead, dude. And they're from Poland, so they have a Polish translator and they're trying to get extra you know, extradition or whatever the hell that is. But um they were supposed to play. It was supposed to be a doubleheader with them and Thy Art is Murder at uh, the TLA in Philly, and obviously they're not there. So um but this is better. I'd rather do this. I don't have to put earplugs in. I, have to, I don't have to stand around with a bunch of like sweaty metalheads. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm glad you like me better than 
Yes, feel honored. Metal heads. <laughs> Although I know that you like gang rapists better than me. I do. <laughs> you were like, they were going to be there. Now they're not. So I'm glad I'm doing this. Oh, well, once I found out they were gang rapists, I don't really want to go see them anymore. And, 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 that's, and that's no bullshit. That's, that's funny that you should even bring that up because I was listening to them and thinking that, you know, they were going to be playing that show and I was getting into their, to their latest album. And then when I read about this, I'm like, uh, well, if this is really true, I don't want to listen to them anymore. Like, I was What's their latest off. album? Was that? Uh, What's their latest album? I don't know. It's something where on the cover there's hands folded in prayer, but there's like nails um, uh, pounded into yeah. both tops of the hands. It's really good. I mean, it's... As soon as you brought it up, I was like, ooh, I should like pull up my decapitate and start... Because I haven't listened to them in quite some time. Yeah, I listened to... But, I had one of their older albums, but... Uh, I've been listening to a lot of different kinds of music. A lot, it's some metal though. I've been listening to some stoner metal and um, some other interesting stuff. Some, some. It, have you heard of this? Um, it, for everyone who's, <laughs> whoever, for everyone who's listening to this and hoping to to hear about Jalo films, it's uh, not going to happen. I'm really sorry. <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. We will though. This is the what shaken. Portion. This is, this is the Friday night edition of Jalo Chow Chow, and oh, it's great! It's fucking Friday. Creep is on Creep is on West Coast time, so he has all the time in the world, and I don't have to go to work in the morning, so I have the same problem. But um, <laughs> what the hell were we just talking about? Um, you were talking about decapitated and metal, and oh, something <laughs> I can't remember now. What the hell was it? Um, oh, oh, okay. Have you heard of this thing called? depressive suicidal black metal yeah <laughs> it's like i just discovered this the other day i'm like i don't really want to listen to this it's, um it what's really that band called exactly the way it's described well have you heard leviathan no is it leviathan more of like a doom kind of metal no, band i don't think so there's um there it's a one guy project in oakland okay but um, they're great. And then there's... Um, I heard of them. I just didn't know that they were, they were that. Uh, what's that one? There's one from like Artesia. And I'm yeah. not a huge fan of them. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a lot like um, the early Swedish black metal, like, like Mayhem, like from the 80s. It's kind of what it sounds like. Um, but it's, it's just... It's like... It's, it's more melancholy. It's like very... Yeah, it's like noise and screams and the screams are like so like deep in the mix yes you right know? they're uh, drowned out and it's kind of like this, these faint kind of ghostly screams yeah and i can't remember what that one band's called where um i don't think they're called suicide but that sounds like but like the whole point of the band is that this guy wants everyone to kill themselves <laughs> great like, he's like I'm just trying to help people along this journey where they all should die. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, what's that fucking band called? What a philanthropist. Yeah. And then like, I saw this interview and they're like, well, why don't you die? And he's like, <laughs> I'm way too important to kill. Yeah. Myself. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to tell the rest of them to die. If I don't. Yeah. Oh man. I can't believe I can't remember what they're called. 
That's like, um, did you ever watch the documentary on the, um, the cult um, that thought they were going to a comet? What the hell were they called? Heaven's Gate, I think. Heaven's Gate, yeah, that was like San Diego. Yeah, that is a very, very unnerving documentary, especially because they have footage where they bring the cameras in to, after these guys had yeah. put the bags over their heads and stuff, and they have like a certain amount of money in their pocket for their to hitch the ride on the spaceship that was coming. I mean... <laughs> They're all in their purple gowns with their Nikes, like on the yeah. floor or something. Yeah, yeah, dude, that was like a really big fucking thing when that went down, and that guy was terrifying. Yeah, and he died too, right? He he went yeah. out just like the rest of them. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was super Jonestown. But anyway, um, did you see it? No, no. Was it good? I hear it's great. Um. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I thought it was really good. I don't know if I thought it was great. I mean, but, it's a um, it's a blockbuster, right? It's making millions and millions of dollars. Probably. I mean, I think it helps that the Stranger Things kid is in it. Oh, but, there you go. But yeah, is it's it, is it the girl from Stranger Things? No, it's the main guy. Oh, okay. That has the kind of odd shaped head. Yes. Yeah. Um. But no, I just like it's for those of you who don't know, it's just the parts of it from the kids point of view. Okay. And it doesn't do any of the parents stuff or when they're grown up, I mean, and um, instead of taking place in like the late fifties, it takes place in like the late eighties. But um, kind of cool. Cause, cause I guess when the book came out, you would consider the late fifties to be an olden time. And nowadays the 80s are old and well, like <laughs> when it came out, like 1958, 27 years later, yeah, you know, like the math made sense. And I think now's 27 years later from is it from the late 80s? Yeah, I don't know, that's a lot of math. <laughs> but, um, I just subtract the 17 first, yeah, and I go back from the 2000s. So See, 20 that's years. a horrible way to do it because then you're doing like two different problems right there. <laughs> no, but that's how you're supposed to do it. I have kids that take Singapore math and um, no. So so if it if you know in 1980 is 20 years before 2000 and add another 17. So that's from that's 37 years ago. It was 1980. So yeah, 32 years ago was 85. Something like that. Anyway, yeah. Well, yeah, welcome, that Singapore math is math really good and, for you. Welcome <laughs> to the math show where we where we <laughs> we use lady boys to figure out how to add and subtract. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but yeah, so it was pretty good. Good stuff. I have to go see it. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, going to see a, a big blockbuster film. I was gonna see Dark Tower and then just didn't give a shit. Now, did Stephen King have anything to do with this it version? I'm sure he did. Like, I mean, I've seen tweets of him celebrating the success of the film. So, well, yeah. Either he obviously, at the very least, endorses it and says, you know, he's he's happy with it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, making another eight gajillion dollars <laughs> for no fucking reason. That doesn't hurt. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then I had to go get the newer copy of it because it looks so beautiful. Oh, cool! And you have a lot like this. 
It looks like it's me. <laughs> <laughs> what? That needs to be your new Facebook profile thing. I don't know. I hate Stephen King. Like, oh yeah, that's like my biggest fucking like. Well, you have a million. For the people that are just listening and not necessarily watching, and that might be everybody because I never published this last one, and we may not publish this one either. Um, Creep has like a million little um, post-its on his copy of It. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's all that about? Um, I'm hosting a readathon of mm-hmm. this for the month of October. It's called It-tober. <laughs> and... Um, because this book's like fucking like what, like 1,300 pages or 1,100? Yeah, it's like 1,130 pages. So I broke it up to where um, you could read like 40 pages a day. Oh, and okay. So every day just read a little chunk of it. So so 40 pages a day will get you finished the book by when? It's not necessarily 40 pages exactly. It's like little chapters. Right. So um, it'll be like, I'll be done with it. I'll probably be done with it before, but I think it's like the 26th. Is if, you like, start, if you start at the beginning of the month, you mean? Yeah. Okay. For those of you who don't know, I have a um, YouTube channel where I just talk about books. Mm. And um, it's called Paperback Junkie. Cool. And like I show like super old copies of books. Look, it's a double book. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just, and I have, like, can you see that? Yes. Like, palette bookcase, and then I have invisible shelves, and Ooh. I'm spinning, and then, like, where is it? Oh, yeah, there it is. Like, more stuff, and then yeah, we just of those uh, Edgar Wallace Jalo books. Oh my God! Do you? No, you do. Don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Can you see this right here? Is it too dark? Might be too dark. We just got a ladder and turned it into a bookcase. Oh, nice! That's cool. Yeah. So little you got your Funko like Pops on there too. Yeah. Gotta have your Funko Pops. I only have one. Like a... I have what... Dale Cooper. <laughs> Oh, do you? Yeah. I was going to buy the whole thing, and I was from, it was like 50 bucks, and I'm like, I should really just buy everybody. But did you get, oh, did you get the one where it's mis, mislabeled by any chance? Which one? There was a, there was a, it was one where I think they had a picture of the giant, but it was evil Leland in the box or vice versa. Oh, really? Like, yeah, and it's like worth a lot of money because it was a. No, I have Leland and I have Bob. Cool. That's awesome. I had to get Cooper because he's got a couple yeah. of coffee. And... <sighs> I already missed that show now that it's not a weekly thing. I have to go back and watch it. Yeah. So anyway, did you watch the movie that, uh, that we're supposed to be talking about by any chance? Um, Iguana with the Tongue of Fuego.
Yes. Yes. And Did you watch it? Yeah, and it's funny because we've already spent like, I don't know, at least a half an hour talking nonsense. And it's not because I don't have anything to say about this film because I actually... I have some things to say about I'm, it. I'm glad that we took this long to get to it because... Um, I've been wanting to watch it for a while, and I did watch it for the first time when we um, decided that we were going to do it next. Yeah. But I didn't watch it with a, with a keen eye, and then I went back to watch it a second time in order to do the Jallo score, and then I just watched it for a third time today. So I, I think I have it fresh. Yeah, I... I watched this pretty soon after we started the show originally. Oh, back <clears> in the day. Yeah, and I remember, I don't know if you were on the show yet, but I was talking to Eric about it. And I'm like, oh my God, it's so stupid. Like, this girl <laughs> opens the door and she's like, no, 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 no. And then this guy throws like acid in her face and melts her face off and she's just standing there yelling no before he does it and then, uh, but then he slits her throat too so it's yeah not, yeah but i just i thought it was so freaking ridiculous it was, it was uh, but then i watched it when we were gonna do it and then i watched it again today oh okay but, good um like the thing that i'll say right off the bat because it's been so long since we've had to like watch one of these films with a critiquing eye. As soon yeah. as the music started, yes. I was just like, ah, it was like, Oh, we're Do you back. Feel a sense of comfort. Yeah. It was like, but, yeah. but to be fair, I mean, it's Stelvio Cipriani or whatever. And I yeah, think, yeah a lot of the music in this movie was in another movie. Well, some of it was from Bay of Blood, for sure. Yeah. But that first the, the, opening bit, was that? Uh, I'm not sure, but I mean, I can tell you that um, I was... Uh, I can't tell you with any... Sh <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm bullshitting right now. I was going to say that it's it, if it was reused, it was still his compositions. Yeah. Because... There's a scene at the very, very close to the very end, a set, like a sex scene, where the guy puts his foot and starts the turntable, and the record drops. Yes, it's, it's the um, it's something from the Bay of Blood soundtrack. It was the most like unimportant scene ever. Yeah, we, like, we there had, was like no purpose. For I have it. I have a star next to that on my list of things to talk about. But it's, okay, you know. so who who wants to dig it? Like who wants to give the synopsis <laughs> you ask that question as if there's 20 people and you know available it's which just one of us survivors <laughs> want to go out of the bunker and see if there's still radiation out there well i i have basic information about the film and i have some notes um so if you want i can start it off i don't care i don't mind okay well yeah go ahead i was just gonna run through it so we can we can trade off you, you know when you know i've been listening to a lot of pot twin peaks podcasts and i i notice real quick what twin peaks podcast do you listen to 
Uh, I listened to two. I listened to a damn fine podcast. And then I listened to the one from Entertainment Weekly. And the one from Entertainment Weekly, they just had... Um, who did they have on the show? Like, they had Kyle MacLachlan and Laura Dern on the show doing interviews. Really? So, like recent, like yeah, like after the finale. Oh wow! Yeah, I haven't even checked that out. Um, I used to listen to the Red Room podcast like all the time, um, and it was supposed to be a Twin Peaks podcast when it started, but then it turned into just like awesome television podcast right, right. well i mean after what 25 years you gotta yeah. stop talking about it you know <laughs> but that one's really good and i think sparkwood in 21 yeah that, i mean there's a million one. of them that's the yeah, thing like there's a lot of shitty ones i, I noticed yeah i noticed that um there's one called um i think it's called not diane but it's something with the word diane in it, and it's from the uk i think no i think it's just called diane diane okay yeah and it has <laughs> audrey on yeah, on yeah. The, on the, like on the thumbprint, yeah, or the yeah. Uh, thumbnail. But uh, damn fine podcast I like. But I I was disappointed because they didn't do anything after the um, final episode. So they did. So they did the final two parts. They did an hour, and that's it. We haven't seen any or seen or heard anything from them since. And then the Entertainment Weekly guys they did three hours. Uh, of discussion after the last two episodes and then they came back with Kyle and then they came back with the guy who was the creator of The Leftovers on HBO and did another hour talking about the series and then they had Kyle and Laura Dern. Talking about Twin Peaks with the guy from The Leftovers? Yeah, yeah. That's weird. And then, I don't know that this is on the podcast, but there is a article in entertainment weekly online with one of the two guys that runs the podcast with david lynch and asking him questions about the show so i don't know if they're ever going to release that as audio i'm or... gonna just come right out and say that probably absolutely nothing gets answered in in, in the interview yeah it's true <laughs> I, the one thing that gets answered is that lynch never meant for those for the thing that jeffries was in to look like a teapot that's the one thing he says. He's like, that was the, cause, cause like he's into like sculpting things now. Like he, he builds his own coffee tables and stuff. Like he's a weird dude. Yeah. So he said, yeah, the one thing I regret is that the way that I designed the bell or the structure or whatever you want to call it, it looked like a teapot and it wasn't supposed to be a teapot. So, but um, he said, I think he said at one point in the interview that, that they approached Bowie to be in the return. But I think that he, yeah was already sick and couldn't do it because he was getting sicker. Yeah. And he gave them permission to use his voice. Um, but they, 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 he gave them permission to use his scenes from Firewalk with me in the series, but then they used somebody else's voice. And I thought his accent in, I, in Firewalk with me was really great. I like, yeah, but I think the reason why they changed it, wasn't because of that. I think it was because he said something and they wanted it changed. Like, Oh yeah. Like, slightly. it's like, instead of him saying like, who do you think is standing right here? It's, right. Who do you think this is right here? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like ridiculous. Like, um, 
but yeah just to make but, it work with the new kind of universe and the way yeah. you tell the story yeah but i mean october 31st man the final dossier oh yeah that's true we were talking about that last time yeah so cool um i think a lot of people are just kind of like sitting with their thumb up their butt waiting for that book to come out <laughs> it has some sort of something in it yeah well it, but anyway something to look forward to anyway back to the Iguana with the tongue of fire yeah um that so, came out in 71 am i 71 yeah so it was a year after bay of blood yeah and i um and he's um, already recycling his music what a dick <laughs> yeah right exactly well um i i should have had this um ready to go to to quote but um excuse me uh that movie was released in august um of 1971 and if you go down the list from that year you will see that starting in january of 1971 we have the strange vice of mrs ward the cat of nine tails uh lizard in a woman's skin cold eyes of fear slaughter hotel black belly of the tarantula case of the scorpion's tail uh the night Al evelyn came out of the grave oasis of fear that umberto lindsay film and then the iguana with the tongue of fire followed by the fifth chord uh, and then Bay of Blood. So Bay of Blood actually came out after this. So, but imagine all of those were released within nine months. It's Italy. the same thing if you look at um, 1981, like the horror movies that were released in 81. Yes. It's like every weekend there were like two blockbusters, yep. like just yep. crazy. Uh, Oh, to live in that time. Yeah, and it, well, we did kind of, but yeah, we, but <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't reach the pedals to. Yeah, I couldn't. I wasn't. I dude, I specifically remember two newspaper ads, in, you know, in the local newspaper for the movie theaters. One of them was for Cannibal Holocaust, and one of them was for Gates of Hell. And neither one of them were movies that had ratings. Like you couldn't go. Like they were rated X, X, but for not not. Not for sex, but they were just rated X. But I remember there was this little, um, this little call out to a, a like a little blurb in the newspaper, and it was like the real life uh, a, a, a account of the documentary team who goes into the Amazon jungle and is eaten by the cannibals. And I'm like, oh my god, really? That really happened? I, I, you know, I, like I can't go see that. That's horrible. Like I was, I don't know, I was 14 or 13. And uh, I think that was Cannibal Holocaust, so it had to have been, right? That's nuts. But anyway, um, the whole point is that uh, this film came out, you know, in the middle of everything. I mean, everybody at this point in Italy is putting out movies that fit this formula. And um, <clears throat> just to give you a little bit of foreshadowing, the Giallo score very much reflects this uh, fact. So when we get to the point where we talk about the score, uh, we'll get into more details there. But um, at any rate, uh, directed by a man named Ricardo Freda, he had a film in 1968, I think, or 69, called Double Face, which most people consider to be a proto-giallo. 
Um, those are his only two contributions to the genre that I could find, uh, unless you found anything else. No. Um, now, on this film, he's renamed himself Willie Pareto. And from my research, he was not happy with the film at all. Yeah. And so he did not want his name on it. So he changed his name. Um, I read something about how he was going to get Roger Moore for the lead role and ended yeah. up getting Luigi Pistilli instead. <laughs> he wasn't happy about it. So Can you imagine Roger Moore in this fucking movie? Oh, it would be fantastic. I but, like, it would never happen in a million fucking years, dude. I would love to see it as long as every other actor was the same. Him... And all those other actors, exactly the way with they the are. With the same dubbing? With the same dubbing, yes, exactly. Oh, <laughs> good Lord. And so, okay, so we have this weird thing where it's a giallo in Ireland. Can you name another giallo in Ireland? I can't. Um, and we have know. Luigi Pastilli, who we know from... Everything. Uh, he's in Bay of Blood as uh, one of the characters. He's also in uh, Your Vice is a Locked Room. He's the sadistic husband yeah. and then we have dagmar lasander who was in uh photos, photos. and she I, she was really hot in photos i liked her a lot in that one and she's what's the not, title photos the forbidden like, photos of a lady of yeah. yeah i thought she looked amazing in this she did but her outfit sucked didn't they suck no they no. were okay they, they were weren't very right. revealing there's a there's a scene where they're at the nightclub and she's wearing this halter top and a mini skirt. But by the time she leaves the dark uh, confines of the club, she's got this jacket on and you can't really see anything. Well, then, 30 seconds later, she doesn't have anything on. So Yeah, and that really wasn't good for me. Like, I prefer her with a little bit of clothes on. You know, that, isn't that weird? Yeah. Like her, like her, her nude body didn't do anything for me. Because I even liked the like full on like towards the end of the movie with the hat and the jacket. Yeah. Like that wasn't bad. Yeah. But she has good hair and she doesn't, you know, when she has it pulled back, her, she looks bit. like Amy Adams. Yeah. A little bit. You're right. Like, ridiculously. Like when they're like, there's the scene when they're in Switzerland or whatever. Yeah. They're talking like right by the, I don't know what the hell the wires are, but, um, Oh, like she one of those, one of those ski lip things. Yeah, she yeah. looks just like her, and I'm like, oh my god! But um, yeah, very true. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm like, who does she look like? But there were a couple other beauties. Um, the first girl was weird. Yeah, she had, weird weird because, she had a weird haircut. She had a weird haircut, but the dubbing was so odd on her but um dominique boucherio <laughs> um she's like what the fuck is she from dude she's from um let me see if i can see it here uh nope 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 dead air <laughs> dead air i want to just say her name over and over again dominique boucherio yeah, keep doing that. She was in Hussar yeah. Die. Oh, she was? Yeah. Um, All the Colors of the Dark. Yeah. Are you thinking about the girl who was uh, playing the piano with the cleavage? Yeah. 
Okay, I thought you were talking about the first girl who gets murdered, like within. Oh the first no, five minutes. I don't think she was in anything except the producer's bed. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but that girl, the one you were just talking about, not yeah, not the the producer's bed girl, but the other girl. Yeah. She looks a lot like the Brunhilde girl from Bay of Blood, but that's not her. It's um. When I first saw her, I thought that was who it was. But right. So did I. Exactly. Yeah. But that's not her. That's the girl from Amok, I think. Who, the girl from Bay of Blood? No, no. The girl, <laughs> the girl who was in this film who looked like the girl from Bay of Blood. Okay, if you guys aren't confused yet, <laughs> like, it'll, it'll happen. Just wait a minute here. If you guys aren't confused, here's a, clear, here's, here's a clarification. There's a scene in this film where they're all at the nightclub, and there's a girl with really ridiculously curly... Like like bouncy curly hair playing the piano with with humongous cleavage, yeah. And she looks a lot like the Broomhilda actress who played who was in Bay of Blood, but the, they're two different people. However, the girl who was in this film, I think, was in a muck. Oh, my I can't God. remember. What what I do? I just found something <laughs> out, and if it's what I think it is, I'm gonna. Like seriously, to myself in like a million places. <laughs> no, but yeah, um, she, who was she in? Um, All the colors of the dark. I could. Was she just another oh, one of the cold in, girls? She was in All the Colors of the Dark. That's right. That's what you said. Um, Dominique Bochero. I'm looking it up now. I got the right page. She looks very Italian in this IMDb picture. Who saw her die? I don't know what she, what she did in that. Jane's mother, All the Colors of the Dark. Who's Jane? I don't even remember. We're we're bad people, dude. It's been a long time since we've uh, rock and rolled. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say that. <laughs> anyway, so so who saw her die? Okay, so um, not so, why did I say that? So uh, iguana with a tongue of fire. Um, obviously we're playing on the idea. I mean, and it's so real quick while we're on actors and stuff, the mother, um, the Mrs. Sobieski. Okay. The ambassador's wife. Okay. Yep. I knew I knew her from somewhere and I couldn't figure it out. She's the goddamn queen of the moon and the adventures of Baron Munchausen. (laughs) Robin Williams's wife in it. Never saw it. Oh my god, what are you doing? That movie is amazing. Do we need to stop the podcast right now? Is that what you're saying? No, but you need to watch that movie, sir. Like that called? is like The Adventures the of What? Baron Munchausen. It's top notch, man. Baron Munchausen. Okay. Um yeah. Yeah. never oh even my heard god. of it. Oh, I know what I'm going to watch. That just blew my mind. <clears throat> oh, um, go ahead. What the hell was Sorry. I saying? Um, oh, oh okay. So, so it's obvious. I mean, it's so blatantly obvious. Okay, you have the bird with the crystal plumage, the iguana with the tongue of fire. I mean, you can't get more of a direct copy than yes. this. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing that's obviously very noticeable. But you know, the, the reason why I bring that up is because the iguana with the tongue of fire 
is the the movie that people refer to when they talk about Jolly, but only because the title is so crazy. Like no one ever yeah. talks about what the film is about. There's always these, you know, whenever you whenever you hear somebody introduce the genre and they say, oh, you know, the the, the standard talk about how it was these yellow colored books from the 30s and 40s and 50s or whatever. And then they turned into these films and they had that crazy outlandish titles like The Iguana with a Tongue of Fire, but no one ever talks about the film itself. It's gotten its notoriety, I think, primarily from its title. Yeah. So, um, but it is a classic giallo and it takes a couple of viewings as a, a person, you know, who, it took a couple of viewings for me to realize how classic it is and how much it, it you know, it, it employs the normal tropes that we come to expect from this genre. Whether or not you want to call this a ripoff, a borrowing, or just following the trends, it doesn't really matter. because it's, it's just a, it's a trend. I mean, yeah. like, honestly, I don't think, I'm sure the producers named the movie, and I don't think there was enough there were enough of the films out for people to watch to start stealing things like right. 70 through 72 were probably the most pure um, years of the film. Yes. You know, like yes. it wasn't enough to just go, let's make a carbon copy of this. Right. Not until you got to like um, strip nude for your killer, you know, which was like stop it. I, no, I'm I'm not saying it's a bad film. That's 75. I think it was even earlier. I think like 73. Um by 73 people probably were able to see what movies cuz I mean like what did that say right here that um Crystal Plumage grossed 2.4 billion Lira. And, the, and the night <clears throat> Lyra, yeah. Yep. But the night Evelyn came out of the grave was four hundred and fifty million and this only grossed um hundred and sixty nine domestically. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. You I read the same article, so basically yeah. they considered it to be a not very successful, considering the fact that all these other films were making a lot of money. Um and I think it's partly because I, I I don't know. I'm starting to say I think it's partly because, but for for really, I'm just speculating entirely. You know, you have to understand the culture at the time, and people were going to the movie theater, and they would walk in on the movie halfway over and just wait and watch the beginning again. And um, I mean, I don't know honestly if that's really what what it was like. I know that that's what it was like. And then Hitchcock had that whole thing where he was like, "You can't watch Psycho." Um, unless you get there before the movie starts. Yeah. But, um, I don't know if that translated its way and made its way over to Italy. I think the way that I've heard it described, you have uh, this working class group of people who um, don't want to stay in their homes. And it doesn't cost anything to go to the, to the, to the pictures, as they say. You know, maybe a, a, you know, the equivalent of like a quarter or something. And you go there and you bring your beer and you hang out with your friends and you watch films. Maybe you watch three, you know, and one of them is a Western and one of them is one of these movies and whatever. But I don't know. At the same time, I feel as if, you know, Argento put out Bird and Bird came out in 1970 and I think early in 1970. So people had uh, at least six to eight months to like understand 
that that was a very impactful movie for the time. But it didn't make a lot of money in Italy, right? Until after it went overseas. It made a lot of money, and then it started making more money in Italy. That I don't know. Is that true? It's very possible. I said it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Is it true that those words now exist in the universe? (laughs) Yes, that is true. But anyway, we're, we're, we haven't really ha- had enough time to really introduce the film well enough. I mean, basically, we, we start with this very iconic and classic uh, crediting, credit sequence, which is this urban landscape with people driving cars everywhere. And if you go back and watch it for the third time, you'll see that there are so many hints in this opening s- sequence. Um, and in the first murder that you should be able to, to, to figure out who the killer is uh, right away. But for most people like me, the first time I watched it, I, there was no way I was going to notice that stuff. Um, because I think partly because you watch the credit sequence and you're like, okay, you know, the, t- depending on, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of the case of the Bloody Iris and that opening credit sequence is somebody walking down the street being followed by the killer, I think. And then she goes into the phone booth and makes a phone call. So any of these films where, and then Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward is the opening credit sequence is the killer is driving around in a car in an urban environment and picks up a prostitute, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's in like everything. So like my whole thing is like, as soon as that starts, you music and you look at your watch and you go, okay, I have five minutes before anyone starts talking. Right. Like, that's like how I like see that. Like yeah, I yeah. And, exactly. I've seen that movie three times now and I never looked at it to see hints <clears throat> of who right. the killer would be. I didn't even know that was something. I thought it was just like, hey, let's kill five minutes of running time with shots of the town. Well, and, and they do. Uh, there's a few places in this film where they do that, um, where they put filler in. That means nothing. But they... The thing that I did like about this movie is they did a lot of misdirection that was really interesting and intelligent. Um, and, I, and I'm going to credit the screenplay on this because obviously this, you know, th- these misdirections were mostly handled by the script and the story. Um, but at any rate, um, you know, like in the very opening credit sequence, we have this guy on a motorcycle and... Then we close up on his his black gloves, and then they show the credits. But the guy on the motorcycle has nothing to do with anything except for the fact that our main guy, our amateur detective guy, drives a motorcycle. Yeah. And then there's a guy in the opening sequence who ends up being a major character in the film who's on screen for two seconds driving around in a red car, and you're not supposed to really pay attention to him, but he's in there. And... Uh, Right after the credits are over, we jump immediately to the first murder sequence, um, which is, you know, it's got its tension. It's very, it's got some good music going. Uh, the one thing I wanted to, to, to note, which I thought was funny, was, you know, the, the woman is in, the woman who gets killed, she's in her house. I think she's in the bedroom with the fireplace and the killer comes and he turns off the power, right? And... After her phone's lines cut. Her phone lines cut, and then he cuts the power. And when he cuts the power, the music that we're all hearing stops. 
Yeah. Which is like, I don't know the difference between diegetic and non-diegetic. I don't remember which one is which, but um, I think that's diegetic. The one that where it's it's in the film itself, like the characters can hear. There it. were there were a couple times when the movie did that that I thought were kind of clever. Yeah, absolutely. But it leads you to wonder why, if she's all alone in a house she would be listening to suspenseful giallo soundtrack music. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It was super suspenseful. It was like... Why is she listening to this? Yeah. And then he cuts the power and the music stops. It's ridiculous. She was probably like, oh, I feel much better. <laughs> oh, my God. So she gets killed, basically. A acid thrown in her face and the, the effect is awful. Um, it's... You know, they use a mannequin. That's so obvious that they use a mannequin. It's not even funny. And then but she it gets looks like her eyes are in it. It's yeah, really maybe. Yeah, maybe. Well, and and then the scene later where you know we we the, the car shows up at this embassy, and I guess it's a Swiss embassy because the guys from Switzerland. The guys from Switzerland, and this is in Ireland. And the car, uh, they open up the boot of the car, which is the trunk for all you Americans. Um, and the, the girl is in there, but she, it looks like it's a real person with makeup on trying to hold still. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't look like a man <clears throat> or a body anymore. Okay, here is like my biggest question with this movie. Like, they find the body in the trunk or whatever, and there's this little kid. Yep. Who... I'm assuming is the son of the chick. He's the son of the ambassador and the ambassador's wife. But the yeah. other two older people are from the ambassador's wife's first marriage. And I don't know if you knew, if you caught that, but there's a scene where John, the Luigi Pastilli character goes to meet up with Helen and he meets up with, the ambassador's wife and she's getting high yeah, and yeah. Laying, on, laying on the couch and she talks about how from her first marriage was Helen and Mark and then, then she mentions I, you know, I think she mentions the other kid but does she? We're, she just, led, we're just led to assume maybe that because like the, what I don't understand was um, oh this is like spoiler territory I'll bring it up later okay, okay. go ahead all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, so we have this weird situation where this corpse shows up in the back of a trunk. Uh, the police are called in, but they have to like kind of tread lightly because this guy has diplomatic immunity and he's an ambassador, and they don't want to screw anything up. Um, they bring him in. Uh, they don't bring him in, but the, the the main detective goes and visits him, and they have some they talk some questions, and then they talk to the chauffeur who has this weird thing with his eyesight. And the film does a lot of these things where these iconic things like either the glasses or the gun or the gloves or whatever, um, they put them on screen for a long time and played this real dramatic music because it's like, hey, look at this big red herring. You need to pay attention to it. And it's um, always like this. Like... <laughs> <laughs> like they'll turn around and look really suspicious and the camera gets all close. It's yeah, yeah. So bad. Yeah, it's it's overly done, of course. So um so and now the, we have the so, driver though, the driver has fucking pink eye. Yeah. 
He has conjunctive fuckingitis. Yeah, and he's the driver. And like, that's like a huge thing throughout the whole thing. Like, the driver has pink eye. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't do that. I have pink eye. I I touched my eyes without washing my hands after I went number two. I have pink eye. <laughs> like, ridiculous thing ever. <laughs> <clears throat> why don't you? Why don't you? Don't, you could take your glasses off. It's not that bright in here. Well, um, so so let's talk real quick before we get any further about the dubbing <clears throat> character who acts as the amateur detective. I'm calling him that because he's a retired police officer. He's not really on the force anymore. And that's we'll, we'll talk about this more when we get to the score because obviously that has something to do with how you score the film. But um, He's the only one in the whole movie who tries to have an Irish accent, and they're in Ireland. Now, I understand... And it comes and it goes. Yeah, it comes and it goes. And I understand that the Sobieskis are not Irish, and they have no reason to have an Irish accent. But um, the the police chief and the, the servant guy who works for them and the people at the bar and everybody else, like they all just have regular British accent. Is um, it it's almost sounds American. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like the like the woman who plays the ambassador's wife, she has this very oh, thick kind of weird accent that I don't even know. It's like partly French and partly Russian, maybe. I don't know. And partly um, old lady seducing. Yes. Like, even though she's talking about, like, a door handle. Yes, I would say so. I guess she was supposed to be high all the time, right? I don't know. I just thought she was great. Because he, because because the ambassador comes in <clears> at some point and says, you know, she's doing all these drugs. And this is the other thing I want to bring up. <laughs> Did you find it funny that nobody ever knew where the ambassador was, but he was always there anyway? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like in one scene, she's like, "Well, he's not here anymore. He went to Switzerland." And then two seconds later, he grabs the phone from her and says, "Hello." I, that's what was ridiculous. He's like, "Yeah, I got here yesterday." I'm like, "Oh, that's convenient." <laughs> Nobody knows where he is, and and then like when when uh, John when, when our detective guy asks for where he is, and people tell him that he's like, I wrote this down in my notes. Like, is it? Is it that nobody really knows where he is, or are they covering for him? I for think some the reason? wife was covering for him. Okay. When he just like they were in this room and she's like, Yeah, he's not here. And he's like, Okay. And then like he just walks into frame <laughs> and grabs the phone. I'm here. Yeah. No, not the phone. Like when she was high on the couch. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He just like he just like nudged into frame. Yeah. Like, oh, you must not have seen him. He was standing next to the lamp. Well, that's that and that's my <laughs> that's my favorite scene of the whole film because it goes, You bitch. You fucking bitch. You bitch, bitch, bitch. It was, it was like um, that chick in pieces. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> where she starts yelling bastard over and over again. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. So, um, all right. So we've got this investigation going. Uh, there's lots of red herrings. Did you notice? Worst cops in the world. There's a couple of things that I found interesting. So when they, when they, when they question the chauffeur, they show him a receipt from the dry cleaners where he goes to take his shirts swastika laundry swastika laundry right <laughs> yeah. like, what the hell is that in ireland swastika. in ireland for no less like what what does that mean oh like, my god i don't know that that's like 
<laughs> I had to look at that twice. I was just like, man. Your, your clothes are going to be in very strict order, sir. I I was cracking up. I like couldn't believe it. That's the best. But um Well, I'm sorry. What I was gonna say was um the other thing that was interesting about that those in those those beginning scenes was um when the ambassador is talking to the head of the police and he says something and they're talking about whether the whether the murderer could be a man or a woman. I don't know if you caught this. Yeah. And the inspector says something like the use of something indicates a, drill. a woman's is it is it a drill? That's what I didn't I thought he said a drill and I'm like what the fuck is he talking about? I don't think it's a drill unless that's like a a, a term that they use to describe the Poison. acid. Yeah. Acid. Yeah, it, it indicates the the woman's hand or a curl, or, or a colored person. They're <laughs> experts at such things. Like what the hell? What does that even mean? Yeah, dude. Like I was like like there were a lot of parts in this movie where I feel like they just did not know what the people dubbing it had no idea what the script was. Yeah. And so they just kind of like made <laughs> shit up because like <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think wow, you, you may so have funny. something there because I'm starting to. I'm trying to like find you know because I know in that um, there was that uh, Polizio documentary. Did you ever watch that? No. Um, and they were interviewing a bunch of the people who did the dubbing because it was basically all the same people, and they said that there were a lot of times when they wouldn't have a script and they would just have to like listen and oh. translate but sometimes they couldn't understand what was being said or they couldn't hear it. So they would just make shit up. Right. But I, I've never seen a movie that seemed so like that had to have been what had happened because there were so many lines. Like my favorite line in the whole movie was um, when the girl gets killed at the club and the guy's like, I'm a doctor. I could help. And he's like, no, it's too late. Anyway, come with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good scene. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm glad you brought that up because, like, is there any other doctor in all of Ireland? Because this guy is everywhere. Everywhere, dude. Yeah. And it, the way this script has worked out, too, I almost feel like they didn't know who the killer was going to be when they were shooting it. And they were just going to kind of make it up at the end. I see. This is why I, this is why I like super. This is why I like having this discussion because you throw this stuff out there, and I never think of this because you you kind of have a little bit more of an insider's kind of brain on this because you do it more or you do it uh, as a filmmaker or as an author or writer. Like I never would have would have even thought that hey you know these actors don't even know the story. They don't even know, or maybe the people that are making this film, they're making these scenes, but they don't know, you know, who the killer is or, you know, like some of it hasn't been written yet. Like that, that's entirely plausible. I think I, you know, I'm still, I'm still such a novice with movies that it still takes me a while to get over the idea that they don't film scenes linearly. Like, yeah. like it's still hard for me to understand that, you know, they filmed that end scene um, probably is the second scene, 
because that was when they had the opportunity to be outside and that was when they had the opportunity to have this this camera or this person you know i never even think of that stuff so you bring it up but it's just like every single person in this movie is like completely suspicious yeah and is always looking over their shoulder to make sure no one's watching them like the like when the butler guy comes in to look at the checkbook and then disappears into a fucking secret passage into a bookcase yeah like what the <laughs> fuck is that yeah he's like he's um you would you call him the butler i guess because like there's a scene where the ambassador and the and the chief of police are having a discussion. He's like supplying like the, the cigars and the mat and the matches. And that was that was like a total like Cluzo like yeah. Let's have this take forever. And he's like, <laughs> oh, a cigar. Oh, oh, a match. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was definitely drawn out. There was a couple of things that were drawn out in this movie that I think they just threw in for. Just to fill time, running time, yeah, for sure. But one of the but but the thing that's I think the most important scene in the beginning is the scene where there's a guy and the he's sitting with the ambassador. The ambassador writes out a check and hands it to him, and he says, yeah. "Here you go," and that's it. You're not getting any more. Yeah. And then he gets into a car, and there's a second guy, um, and. You know, I don't want to ruin everything yet, but I mean, if you've been listening this far, Jesus, uh, <laughs> all bets are off that we might spoil it ahead of time. But um, he gets in the car with another guy who we saw in the introduction driving the red car. Um, and the guy says, um, is that all he gave you? And he's like, yeah, he's getting cheap or something. And they drive off. And the next scene, the ambassador's wife is looking out the window and she's talking about her son. And so one of the things that I really liked about this movie, and I don't know if you want to credit the direction or if you want to credit the the script. I know that the director worked on the script anyway, so it's probably yeah. doesn't matter. Um, the identity of who... Uh, Helen's brother is or who the son of the ambassador's wife is was very obscured throughout most of the film. You didn't know who it was. And it's not like we're talking about who is the killer. We're talking about who is this other person. So we know who Helen is. She's the daughter of the ambassador's wife from a previous marriage. And the Luigi Pastilli character is taking a liking to her for multiple reasons. He likes her, he wants to have sex with her and everything else, but also because he thinks that he can get information from her to solve the case. But she has a brother, and for the most part, at least you can tell me if you look at this differently, but for me, the first time I watched this, I'm thinking that the brother is the guy who got the check, who's in that scene. I thought the brother was that horrible little fucking kid little, in the red jacket. Little boy. Yeah. And he like he sees a body in the car and he goes like this with his face. <laughs> yeah, nothing. No no was expression like, was like. <laughs> like I didn't even know there was another brother. And that was really confusing for me. Right, but there's a scene where 
there's a scene right after he and he leaves. says, "I'm not giving your son any more money." Yeah, yeah, right. You know, I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not gonna deal with your son anymore. So, I mean, that's that. So I, that's when I thought the first murder happened in the past. Okay. And like a flashback it, type thing. Yeah, because it didn't make any sense. Mm. Like I'm like, who the fuck is this little kid? But then. If oh, said, right, right. Like, because what is said at the end of the movie when they're trying to like, um, you know, like that whole thing, like they have a conversation to wrap up all the loose ends. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Something is said in that conversation that doesn't make any sense, right? To the rest of the movie. So, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. There's a scene towards the end where the grandmother is trying to guess who the killer is. And she says something about the little boy. Yeah. And and so that there's that's an interesting take on it too. But that's 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 really kind of that's a, that's a cool take. I mean, obviously it's not accurate, but still the idea that you know it reminds me of um, the Red Queen and how yeah. at, the, at the beginning of the Red Queen it was like these little girls and then they grow up. And like you said, like that that scene with the with the body in the back of the car and the boy opening up the trunk. Um, if you're not paying attention, you could think that he's just this younger version of an older version of in the present moment. But if you pay more attention, you'll notice that you know the the other characters are all are all the same. They don't look any different. So, Except the lounge singer chick didn't have. Her hair in curls. She didn't have the curly hair, right? <clears throat> so, with, but, so, so okay. So we flash. So we flash next to you know we've got we've got the police. They're involved, um, in as much as they can be. Yeah. And then we have this this nightclub scene, and lo and behold, it's the same girl who was hanging out with the ambassador's wife, and they were about to get into to a car together. And she's playing the piano and. She's got this humongous amount of cleavage, and it's fantastic. And um, then we see the Dagmar Lassiter or Lassander character, who I don't think we've been introduced to up until this point. No, we hadn't. And, and Luigi Pastilli's character, and we don't. We, this is the first time we've seen him. <clears throat> and then the beardy guy that looks like David Grohl in the dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and he's like he's Helen's boyfriend. Yeah, there was a lot of like kind of ambiguous. Um, who belongs to who kind of stuff going on in this movie. And the doctor was there. The doctor was there With too. Right. He's always there. He's got the shifty <laughs> eyes. So um, so then uh, the ambassador kind of sneaks into the dressing room, right, and, and pays off the, the girl with the curly hair because she's obviously, you know, sleeping with him. And the next thing we know, she ends up dead. And um, now... The Luigi Pastilli character, we don't know yet that he's been hired by the police force to help figure out this problem, you know, figure out this crime. We don't know yet. We just think it's he's just some guy. But, but his middle name is Unorthodox Method. <laughs> I told you I was going to use Unorthodox Methods. Um, uh, so he brings Helen home and they have sex and that's all great. Um, and then I'm trying to think of, uh, I, I have some, uh, there's just, there's just some weird stuff going on. Like, like at one point when Helen leaves, 
She gets up and walks away, and the guy that is with her, the Dave Grohl guy, steals money out of her purse for yeah. some reason. I don't know why. Because um, he's a dick. And, um, you know, I, I have notes here. She's easy. <laughs> She's like, would you like to have some whiskey? Uh, of course. Are we going to do it in the bushes? No, we're going to do it in my, yeah. Um, and what was, what was up with the, um, the light? So, like, there's a scene where, where John. Oh, is, it's like a sun lamp. I guess it's, he's like sunning himself with the with the glasses on, with the with the weird eye goggles on or something. Yeah, because I think at the end of the movie, when the daughter has the stuff on her face, I right. think it's from the lamp and not from the bottle. Oh, okay. That's super vague, but you'll gotcha. find out why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, no, that makes sense, and um, it reminds me of that scene in. Um, don't torture a duckling where Barbara Boucher is sitting there in the nude and she's like sunning herself with this artificial light and there's that weird like wave thing that's going back and forth um, but what was I going to say um, you had me at Barbara Boucher nude. <laughs> no kidding <laughs> and, and you know uh, not to digress even further but um, apparently they, they released uh, a really well-restored version of the Amok film uh, very recently, and I haven't seen it yet. Um, but that was one of those jolly that we, we talked about in the past that I said I really want to see a restoration of this film in full widescreen um, just because of Barbara Boucher is so hot in that one. Yeah. <clears throat> but um, anyway, so, 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 so the, the running joke is that Luigi Pastilli's character lives with his mother and his daughter, and for some reason, his mother can't hear anything unless she's wearing her glasses. Because she has um, fucking hearing aids on the back of her glasses. Is that what it is? Yeah. Like, they're really thick, chunky bits that go behind her ears. Dude, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, why, did, why didn't I notice that? I just thought it was a running gag. Like throughout the whole film, like um, you know, in you remember that film, um, uh, Death Walks on High Heels. There was this, there was that running gag where the 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 inspector can never sit down and take a sip of his coffee because as soon as yeah. he takes a sip, somebody interrupts him. Like I thought that was the same thing. Like <laughs> like this weird this weird thing with the grandmother that that's that that's can't be explained by by science which is that when she can't see she can't hear either but you're saying that it's totally plausible because she has her hearing aids on the back of her glasses yeah and now i feel like like a like an idiotic jerk well the scariest part of the whole movie is when she's like (laughs) looking into the camera like we're in the point of view with the little girl yes she's like you don't need to tell me about my glasses i was like (laughs) oh get away from me old lady well yeah and there's another scene where they're all looking into the fridge to see the decapitated cat and she has this look on her face which is pretty scary so don't like it so I, i I don't know how far we're going to suspend the identity of the killer, but you know that in that moment, now that you go back and know who the killer is, she guesses it right. Right in the beginning. Does she? Yeah. But here's the thing. She said the little boy. Well, that's what she said later. But here's the thing, though. Like, when they are saying, like, how everything worked out, 
Luigi Pisoli or whatever <laughs> says that the dad, the senator or ambassador, killed the first victim. Right. And when the son saw it, it it set him off. It set him off. But right. the only person who saw that body was the little kid. Right. Like, but he wasn't even fucking there. Yeah. But I mean, how did the how did the corpse get into the car in the first place? Obviously, the ambassador wouldn't put it in there. So maybe, um, maybe the the killer, who we haven't revealed yet for some stupid reason, uh, he found the corpse and stuck it in the car, and that just kind of set him off. So maybe, maybe that's what happened. Well, to me, that's a stretch. <clears throat> I, think, <clears throat> I think something was completely left out, and the, the whole movie is a stretch. Time jump. But then it's like, does that guy have fucking pink eye for fucking fifteen years? <laughs> <Right>. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's never gotten got rid of his conjunctivitis. The worst doctors on the planet. Well, it's only one doctor on the whole yeah, in the whole he country. Obviously, so. has no idea how to handle pink eye. He never. Well, maybe he's just too busy. He never got to him. You know, he's only well, one doctor. The, what, so yeah, one doctor do. The brother is the killer, but it's the older brother who right. has a horrible, horrible hairline. Bald, yeah, his bald <clears throat> is terrible. Um, but, and his name is Mark. And I liked, I honestly thought it was pretty clever how they kept him hidden from the film. And for people who watch this the first time, you're never going to be like, they get to the reveal scene and you're, and you're like, who the hell is this guy? Like, how is he the brother? Like, what's going on? But that's what I'm saying. Like, when the kid sees the body, they do this, like, full-on, like, really long shot of the kid looking at the body, and then the kid looking at the body, and then the kid looking at the body <laughs> before anyone stops him from looking at it. Right. It's the only time anywhere in the movie where someone could have been <clears throat> traumatized enough to go out and murder people. I don't know. Like I, I think this is one of those things where this doesn't make any fucking sense at all. And if you want to enjoy this movie, you have to just pretend that none of that shit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like if you if you want to talk about the end where they talk about how um, the very first girl who was killed was killed by the ambassador, and that set off the the brother to kill everybody else. So so that's a direct copy from a lot of these other Jolly, where yeah. they have more than one killer to throw you off the path to make you confused. But what they typically do with these films is there's a psychopath, and the psychopath is out killing people. And then there's a normal, sane person who wants to get rid of somebody, and they kill that person in the same methodology or the same That's style. That's with the crystal plumage. Right, as well as <clears throat> of Mrs. Ward. There was yeah. a, a killer... And he eventually gets caught and killed, but they, the killer lives on. But in this movie, it's backwards. The guy kills his mistress. And if you go back to that original scene, you'll see there's a picture of him in a frame. The original, the first murder of the, of the whole movie. Yeah. <clears throat> um, he kills his mistress for specific reasons. Because I guess she's she's gonna go and tell on him, I guess, and that sparked the psychological rage of his 
stepson who goes and kills other people in the same vein. It's completely opposite and directly backwards compared to the logical reason why you would have a copycat killer. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. Like they, no. they, they just wanted to make a movie that had two killers to make it more interesting and to make the, the, uh, but it's funny because like the fact that we know there's two killers happened when there was five seconds left of the movie. Right. right exactly. It wasn't even like they used that, you know, it was like, Oh, BT dub. That guy killed the first chick. but you couldn't but and then they just kept coming back to this idea of his diplomatic immunity and you couldn't do anything to stop him because of his immunity and then that was like the big joke at the end is like he's not going to have any immunity once he gets back to his country and they find out that he's the murderer hey it's time to go get a drink because we're irish and stereotypically we go and get drunk all the time yeah right so um anyway let me see what other notes i have because we kind of we kind of the jumped to the end. Thing, but. Yeah, the best thing in the whole movie was the bobsled crash. Oh, my God. <laughs> does that count as like a sporting event? Yes, it does. Good. I decided that it does. Car, car or motorcycle or bobsled, bobsled. Okay, when Okay, so this guy's like jamming <laughs> on the bobsled through the whole thing. And then all of a sudden there's this shot of like a hill that is nowhere near where they are. Right. And it looks like the bobsled was launched in a catapult right. over the fucking hill. Right, right, right. And then the next scene is um, him with a cane and the the uh, cop guy. He's like, do you know that your bobsled was tampered with? Yeah. See, and he's like, oh. I, oh, that's good news because I thought it was my fault. That's what yeah. it was, right. <laughs> I, I was con- so confused about that scene because I didn't know whether or not he was actually in the bobsled or not. But yeah. now that you but say he's walking the cane, then that makes sense. The, I mean, like, were the brakes cut? Like, well, what, what tampering with a bobsled can you do? I don't know. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's just it's just a sled that goes down a hill. Like, <laughs> you can't really tamper with it. It was sabotaged. How was it sabotaged? So, so, so the question oh, remains. We'll, we'll have to ask this on the Facebook group because this is a good one. Which of the three scenes that I'm about to describe is the most corny or <laughs> least believable because of the budget? Number one, the bobsled crash in this film. Okay. Number two is the airplane explosion at the beginning of case of the scorpion's tail which is really just a picture of of a pretend toy airplane yeah uh the third one is the um death of the guy at the end of um don't torture a duckling where he falls off the cliff and his head oh, that's so bad he keeps hitting against the cliff and eventually it explodes it sparks. With sparks. <laughs> <laughs> i would have to say the case of the scorpion's tail with the <clears throat> i mean that probably yeah that probably costs like three dollars <laughs> and that i mean and otherwise that movie was really you know pretty much well done yeah for, for what they could do but they just couldn't do that so um but my thing is who tampered with the bobsled I have that written down. Who tampered with the bobsled? Was it Mark, the brother? Was he there? Or was it the wife? Or was it Helen? I thought Helen was the only one there besides the the dad. And that was the other thing, too. I had trouble just figuring out where they were from one one scene to the next. 
Yeah. Eventually, it was like, okay, I'm paying attention. They established. Oh, wait, no. They have an establishing shot where it's like green and there's big cliffs. Okay, they're in Ireland. Okay. Yeah. The next establishing shot, it's white and there's a lot of snow. Okay, they must be in Switzerland. But Uh, the guy with the beard was in Switzerland too because she had a chateau there that she said she knew nothing about. And beardy guy was dead with flowers all around him. Was that her boyfriend? That was the other thing that I got confused. It was the guy. Yeah, it was because he, him, the brother and the butler were in the shower and the butler's like, Hey, I set it up. It's all guys. It'll be fun. And everyone's like, no, we're not going. Yeah. That was like, they're in the bathhouse. And that was, that was, I like that scene because there's a shot of Mark, the other brother from behind. And the only other time you've seen him on screen, he's had a hat on. And now you yeah. see this a shot of him from behind, and he's got this bald head. And as soon as they, they turn around and show the front of him, he pulls his hood up over his head. So, like, they're doing this, this thing where it's, it's, it's not necessarily mixed, misdirection, but they're trying to, like, they're trying to do something where if you're not paying close attention, you're, you're not going to notice. Uh, because he shows up later in Switzerland – because bearded guy and Mark and Helen are hanging out at the bar in Switzerland. Yeah. So it had to have been Mark. Right. <clears throat> but, um, with the bobsled. Now tell me if this like hit you like a ton of bricks. So when he comes back to the house where the detective lives with the grandma and the daughter, the killer, the killer. Yeah, yeah. And he's dressed up like his sister. Right. Okay. Did he or did he not look exactly like fucking Michael Caine and fucking dressed to kill? Yeah. And not only that, but if you remember the end scene from uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, it's the same deal. It's like yeah, they had, they had two killers in Bird with the Crystal Plumage, and it was that girl with the red hair who was dressed all in like really wow. shiny leather. But in so some, classy. but sometimes in that film it was the husband instead. So yes, that's what but it like looked. I just ruined Dress to Kill. So if you guys haven't seen Dress to Kill, you had 30 fucking years to watch it. So right. I'm really that's sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> but Michael Caine had the red wig, the glasses, the hat, the jacket. It was like I was like, oh my god, did Brian De Palma totally rip off? <laughs> Fucking iguana with a tongue of fucking fire. Are you yeah, I wouldn't me? listen, I wouldn't put it past him. He's ripped <laughs> off a lot of stuff, so but, Oh my um, god. Oh, fuck. I forgot what I was about to say. Um anyway. Uh yeah, so for for the people who are new that are listening to our podcast, if, <laughs> and, and you're not familiar with the genre that well, and you're just starting to like discover the jolly um one of the things that i can say i like about these films is that um there's two different ways to enjoy watching them the first way is the very first time you watch one and you don't know anything about it and you try really hard to pay attention and see if you can guess who the killer is and maybe you get it right or maybe you're surprised or maybe you're just scratching your head um 
But the other way that's very entertaining to watch these films is after you know who the killer is. Yeah. And you go back and you watch, like, you know, a perfect example of this, and I won't ruin it, is Cat of Nine Tails. Like, if I watch that over and over and over again, and I love watching it because now I know which person is the person who's who's not on screen but doing all these things. And, 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 and Black Belly of the Tarantula is another one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yep, exactly. And th- there's a lot of them like that. Like, yeah. when, you, when you know who the killer is, it's fun to watch it anyway. And I don't know if this is the case. Eyeball. Uh, with, with, with this film? Oh, yeah. Eyeball, for sure. <laughs> I don't know if it's the case with this film for, for you know, uh, compared to these other ones. But at any rate. Um, so anyway, uh, we've covered most of the scenes in this thing. Um, we talked about the bathhouse scene. Um, there's, a, there's a weird scene where... John and Helen go out to the cliffs and it looks like he's about to strangle her, but instead he kisses her. That That is so weird. You know what we haven't talked about is the horrible slow motion flashbacks as to why he quit the force. Oh yeah. (laughs) Now here's the thing. When you're doing a slow motion thing, you have to make sure if you're just doing it with like normal speed, you have to make sure you don't get their legs in the shot if they're moving Yeah, because you can't, trick gravity into making you move into slow motion so when he's running towards the body like the guy with the gun his arms are going all slow and he's like no but his like feet are like (laughs) walking at normal speed yeah i gotta go back and watch that so what you're saying oh my god the budget to actually do slow motion that was so fucking funny i have to go back and watch that and then like it, there's so much time like he puts the gun in his mouth and like you could go make a bag of popcorn by the time he actually pulls the trigger <laughs> and he's just sitting there staring at him no yeah he could have definitely oh. prevented that from happening That's but, so but, good. but you know the other thing that that kind of obscures whether or not the, the film gets certain points on the Jalo score or not is that at the very end they flash back to that scene again. And I know there's like, there's a spot, there's a, there's a time in the film where um, John is talking with the, the head of the police force. And he says, you know, every time I'm out there and I see one of these guys, I think it might be my wife's murderer. Yeah. So there's a backstory there where, you know, the reason why he's living with his mother and his daughter is that his wife's been killed. Yeah. And then when they get to the end, the end confrontation scene with the real killer, they do another flashback. But the flashback had nothing to do with the, the killer, the, the no. killer of this film. So I'm not sure why they threw that in there. It was kind of stupid. I wonder if they were trying to say that obviously this guy was the guy who killed his wife. Which is like the most ridiculous shit in the fucking world. Really? Yeah, but he did. He didn't look anything like him. Well, that guy. The whole thing was the guy that he was beating, trying to get him to confess. Right. I don't think was the guy that killed his wife. Right. <clears throat> but the guy killed himself because this guy was like beating the shit out of him. Right. Saying, "Say you did it," kind okay. of thing. Like, I'm going to throw you in jail anyway. I see. I see what you're saying. And so maybe this really was the... But that doesn't make any sense at all either. Right. It's like a backstory for backstory's sake. 
<laughs> it didn't really help anything. It was a back. It, 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 I think the purpose that it served was in a lot of these films, the killer gets revealed and they throw a little flashback at the end. And I think they wanted to do the same thing. So did and this I, flashback work in your score? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. I, there's, they're, 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 it's called the flashback revelation, right? So, um, Technically, it didn't reveal anything about the killer or his motives. However, when we're <laughs> we're at the end scene of the Jalo and we're finding out who the killer is, and then we have a flashback scene, so I'm giving him the points, even though from a from a from a content standpoint, it didn't do anything. It's, yeah, it's still a flashback. It was Bird. like they watched Bird and said. <laughs> We need to have this flashback bit play like at least three times in the movie. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, you know, it's like you know, they watched that film. They said, "Look, this is this is how the producers came and said, here, watch this Art Dario Argento film and make a film just like it." This is a checklist. Make sure it's filled out <laughs> and duplicate. I I hate people who turn everything into checklists. It's ridiculous. But anyway. Um, so now, is this crickets. is this movie a like or is crickets. this a dislike? Um, no, no, I like this film. I, I the the reason why I would never watch it again is because the quality is awful. The 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 visual picture quality. Is well, bad. I think three times is too much, and we've well, already done that. I've watched it three. <laughs> I watched it three times because in in none of my three viewings did I give it a proper viewing. Yeah. Like, Sitting down in the dark with the with the sound turned up on a big screen, paying attention. Like I didn't do that at all. I did it in certain spots on viewing one, and then in different spots on viewing two. And then again today, I just filled in the blank so that I could uh, get some notes together. So if they were to re if they were to re-release this, like and make it a nice pristine digital copy, I would definitely watch it again. The one thing that we haven't said that was something that I just found out from reading that same article was that in the credits, it says that it's based on the book, a room with no door. Right. But that's like total bullshit. Like they just made that up to make yeah, it look like it was based on a novel or something. Correct. Yeah. That's, I read that too. Like that book doesn't even exist. That's that is like amazing. <laughs> because wasn't bird with the crystal plumage based on the screaming Mimi. Right. So not only are we gonna are we gonna rip off all of the cinematic tropes, but we're even gonna rip off the fact that the film is based on a book that never existed. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous, but it's still like it's still, and that's the interesting part about Jallo score. So we can talk about Jallo score in a second. But the whole thing that I thought was interesting about Jallo score was just because a film scores high doesn't mean it's a good film, or doesn't mean it's. Um, it's it's a groundbreaking film. It just means that it, it follows the, the formula. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> if you so, go if you go to Jello score. So so the, the good news for all of you listening and for Creek as well <laughs> is that by the time this podcast is published for podcast audience the Jalo score page for this film will actually be posted. Yeah. I have it I have it ready to go. 
Um, and I worked on it over the last couple of days. I'm like, oh shit, I remember how to do this. Um, but uh, the the reveal here is that the iguana with the tongue of fire got a 92 on the job. Get the board. fuck out of here, dude. Yeah, man. It got it. It got a ninety-two, and and uh, for for reasons that have everything to do with the staples, which is we have a ha Italian director, we have a hidden identity, we have black gloves, we have an amateur detective. Because I don't consider John to be uh, police. No, um, we're in the classic period. The motivation is psycho psychological trauma. Uh, avoid capture. The the killer jumps jumps out the window and commits suicide and the director just squeaks by with five points because he directed that proto giallo called double face so right off the bat the film gets 60 out of 60 um for the second section um i think the only thing that we're missing is that the film didn't have music by the three big composers um now I will ask you if you feel as if I am being too generous when we get to the last section of the signatures. Um, I have car or motorcycle racing. I gave it a point for the bobsled. Yeah, the bobsled has to count for something. Um, for photography, glamour, modeling, and art, I gave it a point because of the girl playing the piano. Because that, that was the, yeah. only, thing, that was the yeah. only thing I could think of in the, in the entire film. There wasn't anything else going on. There wasn't anybody taking pictures. There wasn't anybody painting. There was no models. You know, it was all very uh, austere, I guess. Yeah. So, But I gave it a point for that. And then there's two different places where um, the characters walk up steps that seem to go in a circle. But they're not but spiral they're stairs. Squared. They're square, yeah. so do we give it the point for that? Should I? Take I don't it? think so. All right, so it's got a ninety-one. That's uh, a ninety-one then. And there were no J and B bottles. There was. There were none because you know we we're we're in the uh, we're at the aristocratic level, so yeah. we don't even have J and B bottles laying around. We put everything in our our crystal carafes. Um, the other point I gave it was the odd clue uh, point, and I and I. I thought that between the broken piece of the, the, the sunglasses and the bracelet that the killer was wearing, as well as the lighter that was found at the, uh, the one scene. To be honest, I don't think he would have figured out who did it if he didn't come over to his house and try to murder his family. Right. Yes. I, 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 <clears throat> I totally agree with you. <laughs> there would be no resolution unless the killer came to say, hey, it's me. Yeah. You beat up your family so you can find out. That. Did the grandma die? I don't know. He didn't, he didn't seem too broken up about it when they had the final scene. So I don't know, but yeah, the other thing, not. the other thing that was really, um, what's really pervy was that the daughter had some topless scenes. And yeah. That, that, dude. Was, that was a little, that was a little weird. Cause yeah, I don't know how old she was in that movie, but certainly wasn't 18. So that was very cringy Argento. Yeah. 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 So, so then let's talk about the most important scene in the whole film, which is John, gets into his notebook and he finds Mark Sobieski's phone number and he, he, he phones 
the number. And there are these two kind of hippie types that are just. It's the guy who's always in the car with them, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. And um, he says, no, he's not here. And there's this girl who looks like she's passed out and she wakes up. And then they start having sex and they start listening to some more Silvio Stipriani or Stippers, however you say his name, um, music. And then that's it. Like, I don't know why that scene existed. I don't know <clears> what <throat> the only thing I can tell you is that the killer isn't at home. He's not home. But did he even know that's who the killer was? No, but I mean, he had a suspicion because he didn't think it was the chauffeur. Yeah. Like, even though the cops thought it was the chauffeur, and I think the cops were 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 in route in route to go uh, bring the chauffeur yeah, in. They were, um, and he gets killed before that can even happen. But I don't think that Jean thought that uh, it was him. I thought he he thought it was somebody else. Yeah. But he thought I think he thought it was Helen. Yeah, I think so too. Because he even says like Helen, what are you doing? And then he he pulls the hat off, and it's like, oh my god, it's your brother. Yeah. So maybe he called Mark because he wanted to find out if he knew where Helen was. Oh, by the way, we didn't even talk about that. Her exit of the movie is so fucking weird. Like (laughs) she gets chased onto a bridge, like one of those opening bridges for ships, jumps onto the ledge of it, is holding on, and then falls into the water. And it seriously looked like she dropped like 10 feet. Yeah, it wasn't that far. And then the next scene, she's in like a shack with a towel on her head asleep. And like some doctor who I guess is a different doctor than a doctor tells this like boatman, hey, you fished her out of the water. You shouldn't call the cops though. You should let her sleep. Yeah, she needs to get her rest first before we call the cops, right? You should definitely let her rest before you like keep her a prisoner and rape her. But if this was if this was um, her brother, why would he be chasing her and trying to kill her? You know, he's because maybe she knew. Like that's the whole thing. Like he killed the chauffeur because the chauffeur was blackmailing him, right? Which is another huge fucking staple. Like as soon as you, this is what I don't understand. If you know somebody killed somebody, blackmail is the last thing you'd want to do with those people because. <laughs> They're murderers. They will right. kill you. Right. Instead of paying you money, they'll just kill somebody else. Right. Why, yeah. why not add another, it, to quote Carl Malden in Cat of Nine Tales, when someone has committed four murders, he won't hesitate to commit the fifth. As long as there's been four murders first. <laughs> Three murders, go ahead and blackmail. Right. Blackmail's okay. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it reminded me of Happy Birthday to Me, where they where the kids try to jump the bridge as it goes up. Yeah, and the girl and the mother get caught, and they their car. Oh. And, uh, that's what it reminded me of. That was an intense scene, man. Yeah, and we don't we don't see her again. And there's a mention of her at the very last scene, and yeah, she's in Paris. Yeah, the ambassador says she's in Paris, but she will be joining us soon. I hope, at least I hope. Anyway. So she made it out of the shack. I love some of the, I love some of the, um, <laughs> yeah, she made it out of the shack. I love some of the, um, 
way that they dubbed in the dialogue, like the, in the beginning, like the inspector says something like, did you know that? Did you know her? And he goes, <laughs> he goes, who? And then he gets up and there's silence and he walks over to the drawer and he opens the drawer and there's glasses and they, they put some weird music and he goes, and then the inspector says something like, the girl who was, oh, you mean the girl who was murdered in the boot of my car? Like, <laughs> like why else would you be here, sir? It, just, it seems like they may have dubbed in some of that dialogue after they filmed the actors, you know, doing yeah, whatever it is that they were doing from an action standpoint. Yeah. But, like, yeah. the dubbing, this is definitely one of those movies, if you like bad dubs. No, it's bad. Like, this is, like... Tops. Well, and, and, and what's interesting is that there are a bunch of actors who speak English and are dubbed in in English, but still the dubbing is bad. Like yeah. The, uh, the ambassador, he speaks English, and I think the chief of police guy, he speaks English. But uh, the, dubbing is, the dubbing is still terrible. So, Well, good stuff. Oh, man. So, yeah, I like the film. I mean, it's, you know... If you if you put it in a list with all those other films that I mentioned that came out in 1971, it's probably towards the bottom. Yeah. Of which ones I like, but it's it's, it's a good film, and like I, it's good enough to to be entertaining in in some ways. I think the film suffers from the fact that um, it's not flamboyant enough. Like it doesn't have it's not. it doesn't have all that style. It's because they're in Ireland and everything's like cluttered and broke and yep. like the thing that I don't like. Agreed. But um, like it doesn't have that swinging liberal kind of Austin Powers kind of thing going on. No, it definitely and, does And that's not. one of the things that we like about these films. Yeah. So there wasn't any furniture porn. Yeah, there's there was none of that. There was no, no really lamps. cool fashion stuff and <laughs> no eye candy whatsoever. And, yeah. and that's the thing, like that this film, the fact that there was no eye candy um uh, with regard to the sets and stuff. Um coupled with the fact that the the copy that we all have access to these days is looks, orange. Looks lousy in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um is is a, is another reason why you can't necessarily recommend it, you know, before you recommend other films in this in this from the same time period. Yeah, what did you put for it for completeness only or whatever? No, I put as entertaining, an entertaining yeah. film. It's not a must see. Um, no. It's only it's, a must see if you are curious enough to understand why everybody talks about this film. Um, because its title is so outlandish. Well, to be fair, like I've seen this movie three times hmm. and both times after the first time when I went to watch it again, I'm like, I have no idea what this movie is about. I can't remember a fucking thing about it. <laughs> and then like I start it and then I'm like, Oh yeah, this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like it's just one of those movies that it's like, it's forgettable as shit. Yeah, like totally. tomorrow, I might think we were talking about fucking a Mimsy Farmer movie. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Like, if you want forgettable, let's talk about um, that other movie we're gonna, we're going to discuss next time. What was it called again? Perfume of the Lady in Black. Oh yeah, okay, right. <clears throat> but yeah, we will. We will do that. Yeah, 
I'm going to, I'm going to do it hard and I'm going to try to find a reason to not hate that girl. Give me one reason to not hate Lindsay Farmer and I'll turn right back around. I wonder if it's because her name is Mimsy. <laughs> yeah. It's not really a great, name. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, that was fucking super fun and I'm glad I got to give it another watch. Yeah. Yeah. And this was like an epic kind of podcast. I don't know how long we've been talking. It's like, it's almost midnight. So, jeez. All right. Well, until next time, everybody. So, ne- so next time, we're, are we going to do, for sure, we're going to do... Uh, yeah, let's do it. Perfume. Okay. Yeah. And we'll shoot for a few weeks from now. Yeah. Dos okay. weeks from today. Dos weeks. Okay. Dos weeks. Dos, dos weeks from today. <laughs> and uh, on that note, this is where the music... In post-production, cues up. It's that it's those little kids singing the end of Bay of Blood. Oh, so good. Love it. So until next time. Go until ahead. next time. Ciao, ciao, everybody. Ciao, ciao.